Luke chapter 10. We got somewhere to go today, y'all. I got to let you out today. Because we're at the culmination of our series on Luke 10. About what it means to be a harvester. We, we have preached several messages from Luke 10. When Jesus sent the 70 out. And we looked at this passage and God gave us encouragement as we felt that we were literally thrust into this harvest field because harvesters must have been praying for a church like ours to come into the area. And so we were thrust from Franklin into this harvest field and we've said it over and over again, I'll continue to say it, that this move really was not a functional move. It wasn't about trying to find a building for Strong Tower Bible Church. Um, but God had an assignment. He has an assignment for us here. And the building does meet our needs. We thank God for all the education space and office space and parking space and all of that. We're looking to close on this building on Valentine's Day. So there'll be some really good dancing that night, man. We'll be cutting the concrete back there in the fellowship hall. And, uh, and so the culmination we've been learning from this passage about what it means to be a harvester one who goes out and works outside and, and tills the ground, plants seeds, waters them so that we can see God give the increase and save souls, touch lives. Uh, and so today, there's going to be a call to action. So as I've been encouraging all of us with what the, the scriptures teach about going out two by two and going out uh, to reach people, we're going to have a call to action at the end of this service so that we can all play our part on the harvest field. So Luke chapter 10, verse 1, New King James, the Bible says, After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. The Bible says that he appointed 70 others. So let me speak briefly on the subject of accepting your appointment. Accepting your appointment. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your plan. We thank you that you love people. You love sinful people. Therefore, you love us. Though redeemed, we are still fallen. Thank you that the greatest commandment is not only to love you, but also to love our neighbor. And so, God, since you are love, would you teach us about love? We thank you for the Holy Spirit who has shed love abroad in our hearts. Help us to love people not only in the church, but outside of the church. Help us to love what we would see in the scriptures as the last in society, the least in society, and those who are lost. Thank you for the assignment <clears throat> that you are giving this church, things that you are making clear. and Thank you for what you're showing each individual. Thank you, God. Mm -mm -mm. Be glorified. Help me teach. Help me preach. Get the glory. Teach us. For we pray it all in Jesus' name and for his sake. Hallelujah. Amen. The Bible says, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also. 
Jesus was specific and intentional about everything that he did. He was specific and intentional. He, he didn't fly by the seat of his pants. He didn't make stuff up as he went along. He had a plan. He had a specific plan. He is the sovereign God, and he knows the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. It's already done. Uh, he's a God with pinpoint accuracy, and everything he does, there is a reason behind it. And so although hundreds of people are following Christ at this moment. Now, we know that as he gets closer and closer to the cross in Jerusalem, the crowds are going to get smaller. But we know at this time that there are throngs of people following the Messiah, and they are about to shout, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord as he enters into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. So there are hundreds maybe even thousands, who are caught up with this great prophet from Galilee, this man from Nazareth, this son of David, all of the accolades and illustrations and depictions of who the Messiah is, they're caught up with him. Some are following him because he's fed them. Some are following him because he's healed them. Some are following him because he just loved on them. But out of all of these people, Jesus strategically chose 70. He didn't send all 100 or 200 or 300. He chose 70 people. Some versions say 72. The New King James says 70. And so he was specific. He was intentional about this. So why 70? And why not hundreds? Now, eventually, he's going to hope hundreds will go out when he gives the great commission to the disciples and to all of us. But why 70? Well, it was symbolic. Again, everything he's doing is for a reason. Jesus is fulfilling scripture constantly. Of all of the prophecies made about the Messiah in the Old Testament, he fulfilled each and every one of them. So there's a reason for 70, just like there was a reason for 12. Because before he sent the 70, he sent 12. Why 12 and not 13 or 14? Well, there were 12 tribes of Israel. So there was symbolism. He's connecting the old covenant with the new covenant. And we're going to see this even when we get to the new Jerusalem, when there will be 12 gates around the city and there will be 12 leaders and 24 elders. All the, God is connecting us. And so the 70 connects also with the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 10. It's called the Table of Nations. Uh, after Noah is able to survive the flood by the grace of God, and he and his family are to go out and populate the earth, his sons, Ham, Shem, and Japheth, they're going to be the ones who will start the various nations. And so there's a listing of nations in Genesis chapter 10, and there are 70 of them. And so that speaks of the world, reaching the world. So now watch this. He sends out the 12 first, which speaks of Israel. Then he's going to send out the 70, which speaks of the nations, the Gentile nations or the world. Now, when he sends out the 12, he specifically tells them, don't go by way of the Gentiles. Don't go into Samaria, but only go to the lost sheep of Israel. So he sent the 12. When they went out, they were only to speak to Jewish people. 
But when he sends the 70 out, he gives them no such prohibition. They're to go to any and everybody, Roman, Gentile, Greek, Jew, who will listen. Pastor, what's the whole point? Well, the Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, also to the Greek. So when Jesus came, yes, he loved everybody, but he came for the lost sheep of Israel. He came to his own, John 1, 11, but his own didn't receive him. So what's the point? Everything God does, he's a God of order and precision. And so whenever there is chaos or disorder, it's not God. And so the 12 go out to the Jews first. The 70 go out to the world. Salvation is to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. Whenever God is at work, there's going to be order. He's going to do things in a precise manner. So with that, we need to say if God is working in our lives, there's going to be order there. Now, there's a lot of chaos in your life, a lot of chaos in my life. And just like the Lord was able to speak to the chaos at creation and separate the light from the darkness and the water from the, from the ground, he's able to speak to our lives and bring order. So whenever God is working in our lives, whenever he's transitioning us, whenever he's moving us, there will be order because we have to do things the right way. And so Jesus did things the right way. My, my, my. And in Luke chapter 10, verse 1 we see three things. We see he appointed these 70 people who represent the Gentile nations going out to the world, but then also he paired them up two by two. We talked about that last week, which gave them legal validity to testify or to be a witness, because that's what a witness is, someone who testifies. So I'm trying to be a walking billboard for you today. I threw down the uh, uh, the big over overalls, and I threw this on because it get hot up here. So this is better. Witness, testify. He sent them out two by two, but then he sent them. So he appointed them, he paired them, and he sent them. The word sent there is the Greek word apostolos, and that just means one who is sent forth. Now, we know the apostles were authorized and ordained to not only go forth, but to be the pillars of the church built upon the foundation of Christ, the cornerstone. So there were 12 of them. And then later, Paul would be added and on and on. But the rest of us are sent forth in the same spirit that the apostles went out. So it's just not the professionals or those who are pastors who should go. Everybody has a responsibility to go out. When he apostolized them, he deputized them for the kingdom. He authorized them to go out with the good news that he was the Messiah. So here's the main point in this message that culminates all of these messages from week after week after week. And that is this. If you are a follower of Jesus, and let me just check. Are there any followers of Jesus in here? Are there any followers of the Lord up in here? Amen, amen, amen. So if we are followers of Jesus, he will appoint us to serve somewhere on the harvest field. You may say, man, that's not my gift. I don't have the gift of evangelism. So you still have the responsibility to do evangelism. You may not have the gift, but you still have the responsibility. I don't have the gift, but I got to go. And there's nothing like going because when you go, you what? You grow. 
But if you stay, you decay. Man, we've all got to go out and share our faith. And some of us are not as verbal as others, but we can love people into the kingdom. Man, we can do good deeds. We can love people well so that they can, uh, the salt can make them thirsty. And they can ask, why are you just loving me and serving me like this? And then we can even share our testimony to tell them what God has done for us. We can all witness. He gave us power through the Holy Spirit to be witnesses for him in Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world, and how will they hear without a preacher, and how can he or she preach unless they are called and sent? And I got news for you. We are all sent. Just as he sent these 70, he's sending us. Everybody's got a role to play on the harvest field somewhere. It can't just be about worshiping in here. There are three phases to being a disciple. There's upreach, there's inreach, and there's outreach. Three phases. That's why I love Luke chapter 10, because we see these three phases. The first part of Luke 10 talks about outreach. The second part of Luke 10 talks about inreach, loving your neighbor, even if your neighbor is of a different race or ethnicity and of a different economic standing. And that's when Jesus talked about how the Samaritan loved the man, when all the preachers, the Levites, they were too sophisticated to get their hands dirty with a bloody uh, man who was left alone on the wayside. Jesus says, go and do likewise. Imitate the Samaritan, the half-breed dog. Be like him. Love your neighbor. My God. And then he closes where Mary is at the feet of Jesus in Luke chapter 10. Martha's just busy serving, and Jesus says to Martha, I'm not taking away from Mary. She has chosen what is best. She is at the feet, which is another way of saying she's worshiping. So in Luke 10, we see the three aspects of a disciple, outreach, inreach, upreach, and we all struggle with an area or two. Some of us may say, Pastor, I'm struggling with all three, but thank God for the continuum of grace. We are all growing. But man, how do we? And I've learned that most of us in America, we're weakest with outreach. We may stroke a check and, you know, but man, as far as just getting our hands dirty to help make somebody clean, that's not always our forte. We'd rather get the good Bible study, have the good worship, and don't let the preaching be off. But man, I'm here to tell you, man, if we don't have the outreach component, it's like football. If you don't want to hear a football illustration, don't come next week because I, I, I'm opening up the sermon with a football illustration. So if you don't want to hear it, man, don't come. I'll just come to your house and preach it at your front door. <laughs> there are three aspects to a good football team. Offense, defense, and what? Special, Special teams. You can't just say, well, we're good on offense, uh, we're good on defense, but not have special teams together. And so you've got to have those areas, all three of them together to be successful. The same for a disciple and the same for a church. Man, it's got to be upreach, inreach, and outreach. And so Jesus is saying, I am sending you out. I've appointed you. And the word appoint in the Greek, it's a word that means to appoint to a position of service and to show clearly. So dig this. Again, Jesus is specific. He's intentional. And rather than taking all 100 or 200, 300 people following him, he selects 70 specifically. I want you. I want you. I want you, I want you, I want you, I want you. And he goes down, listen, he gets 70. And then he pairs them up two by two. 
Now, maybe somebody came with their homeboy or she came with her home at, and Jesus said, all right, that, we'll make that a group right there, and that's a group. But the point is, they were specifically called and put together because many are called, few are chosen. And so he's very specific. So he is appointing them. He's giving them a unique position to go. And this word also means to show clearly, meaning that he's going to tell them what regions in Judea to go into. Y'all go into this city. You two go into that city. This group right here, this group of 16, as you guys break up two by two, you go into Bethsaida. You go over here. So he's very specific and intentional about our lives. I mean, he might as well be. He knows every hair that's on our head. He knows everything we have need of before we ask. He's a God of detail and attention, and I'm so glad about that. Oh, my goodness. So God has called them, appointed them, and he's going to show them clearly. And I know what somebody's saying. Pastor, I, I, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. I, I, I have no clue. Well, let me say this to you. God does have a specific assignment for you. He's gifted you, wired you, placed a passion in you in order to serve people on the harvest field. You have something that no one else has. There may even be a people group, a kind of people that you are called to that somebody else may not be called to. It may come out of your past experiences. That therefore, you have a burden for something or a particular group. Or He's got something for you. Because, again, he didn't save you just to take you to heaven. No, he saved you so that you could serve. We are saved to serve, and we're going to serve until we get to heaven, and there is a people we are to serve on that harvest field. Some of us are called to homeless folk. Some of us are called to students. Some of us are called to streetwalkers, prostitutes. Some of us are called to lost people in other countries. We're called to the poor. But, man, we are all called if we just listen to the Lord. So, so Pastor, how do I find that out? Because sometimes I feel like God is playing hide-and-go-seek with his will. I mean, come on, it shouldn't be that hard. Well, God is not so much concerned with what you do for him, and we should do for him. He's first concerned with you being with him. And so if you don't know what the will of God is for your life, first get with him. Because before he sent the disciples out, the Bible says he chose them to be with him. So just be with him and hear the heartbeat of your master. And he will show you, he'll appoint you. But here's another thing, though. After you get with him, at some point you got to go. And if you don't know exactly where you're going, you just got to get moving. And like a car, he'll steer you. But he can't steer you if you stay in park because you're afraid. But as you shift it in to drive, I'm going to do the known will of God until the unknown will of God finds me. Oh, you're in a good place. Just get to moving. Get to moving. And he'll steer you. You'll go over and try to help some people. And God will be like, no, this ain't it. You don't have a gift of working with children. All them kids crying after you. No, let's steer over here. He'll steer you. So when you don't know what the known will of God, just, I mean, the, the unknown will, do the known will of God. Participate in his general will until his specific will is revealed. You know, I, I love music. Y'all know I love music. And uh, songs help me get by. And there were two songs this past year that helped a brother get through. Uh, the first one was from my boy, Toby, Speak Life. And uh, I believe he's up for a Grammy nomination. And I guess it's going on. Is it tonight? Is it tonight? So I hope he gets it. But man, sometime I would just go around singing that song. Speak life, speak life to the deadest, darkest night. 
Speak life, speak life. When you don't look into the eyes of the brokenhearted. Watch them come alive as soon as you speak hope. You speak love. You speak. You speak life. Oh, 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 oh. Did you get my echo? Did you get my echo? So speak life. Thank you, Brian. Got to help a brother out, you know. A little challenged up here. So that was my song, you know. But then God gave me another one, y'all. That's from Anthony Brown and Group Therapy. And that's testimony. My God. I went to the Stella Awards just to see him win because that has been my song. So when all this movement went on with the church, that was my song. And the song says, can I get a witness? You know, witness. Just need one more witness that God's still working miracles opening doors that were closed before. He's still making ways. When others say that there ain't no way. And if you know this is true, then what I need you to do, uh, get up with me and say, can't nobody tell it like me. Can't nobody say it like me. You don't have a story like me. Why? Because it's my testimony. Oh, do you have a testimony? If God's done something for you, you got a testimony. You can't testify for me. I can't testify for you, but I can testify for myself. First, giving honor to God, who's the head of my life, to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the blessed Holy Spirit, uh, uh, to the ushers, saints, bishops, deacons, friends. Hello. My God, he woke me up this morning and started me on my way. I can testify. And here's my testimony. I was running from God. You see, he saved me in 1984. He said he had something specific for me to do, but I was running from it. Because people would say to me, you're going to be a preacher. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> and I'm running. But I got tired of running. And I was in New York City doing outreach with a ministry in New York, Manhattan Bible Church. And we were out doing soul winning in the streets of New York. And I led my first person to Jesus. And he was a wino. I kid you not, his name was Woody. And, uh, and, and I hope he was true, you know. And uh, man, that, that, that was, and I walked away saying, I can do it. I can share the gospel. And Jesus can save people. I, I can do it. And so it just started building in me. I can talk to people about Christ. And at that conference, July 4th, 1987, I stopped running and I accepted my call to preach. But the thing is, though, the call to preach became clear because I was moving and serving on the harvest field. And so then God says, I got something specific for you to do. I want you to preach. I said, yes, Lord. Went to school my sophomore year, declared my major. And then boom. And then... When I come to Franklin, I have people telling me, you're going to be a pastor. I'm like, oh, no, I'm not. And I'm running again. Start working with Christ Community Church, this man on the front row right here. And we're out in the community. And people would say in the community, if you ever start a church, we're interested. I preach in his church. And people say, if you ever start a church, I'm interested. I'm like, oh, no, I am in denial. <laughs> I'm running. I'm in denial. And then I said, okay, Lord, if that is what you want, I will do it. 
And I'm so glad I said yes to the Lord to preach, yes to the Lord to be a pastor, because in, in saying yes, it blessed other people. And when you say yes to the Lord, it blesses other people. He saved you to serve. There's a specific thing to you. But the question is, how many of you are still running? How many of you are still in denial? How many of us still got excuses for, I just can't do that. I can't go. I'm scared to go. Come on now. He hadn't given you a spirit of timidity, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. You can do it. You won't conquer fear by staying and talking to yourself about it. You only conquer fear when you face it in the name of Jesus. And as we sing these worship songs about he reigns and he breaks every chain, my God, once you begin to worship and lift up the greatness of God, what does a mugger or a lost person or a situation, a bad neighborhood, finances, what does that stuff look like to God, man? Oh, come on. He loves those people. Let's go. I'm ready to go grow strong tower the old-fashioned way. And that's reaching out to people. And I'm not talking about numbers. I'm talking about a qualitative kind of growth. Because, man, when the 70 came back, they were filled with joy. Some of the driest Christians you ever want to meet are those who don't reach out to people who don't know Jesus. But when you reach out to people who don't know Jesus, you got some pep in your step. You got some joy about you that the world can't take away. My God. And then when we come in here to do worship, the worship leader don't have to, come on, y'all, sing one more time. Come on, y'all sound there. No, you are alive because you saw God do something on the harvest field. You know his power. So when you come up in here and sing, you're like, oh, my, he's great and greatly to be praised. Watch Strong Tower. Come along. So this is what we got to do. This is what we're going to do. He has a specific assignment for you, and it involves serving people on the harvest field. And until you know the specific will of God, participate in the general will of God. Just get active. Serve somebody. So today, I'm going to dismiss our missionaries right now as they go down into the fellowship hall. They've got tables set up. You've been hearing them speak week after week. We definitely are interceding for them and with them. But, man, you may be able to volunteer with them. They need all kinds of help. So stop by their table. There will be the Franklin Table, Scott Rowley, New Hope Academy, Sophia's Heart, the Red Road, uh, 147 Million Orphans, Nashville for Haiti, Leadership International, Athletes in Action, My Own Backyard, Salome Clinic. So many opportunities to try to plug in. My God, let's do it. And then Strong Tower Bible Church has a table down there, too, because God placed us. He said, go on the field and get that house and don't move from there. So he thrust us out of Franklin into Nashville, puts us in a house, and he says, don't leave from there. You only leave from there when you're going out compelling them to come back into the house. You leave from there when you go out and proclaim the good news, but you find a house and stay there. God found a house for us. And we're going to stay here until he says move. And so we're going to minister to this Forest Hills community and beyond. We just don't trust the missionaries or give it to the missionaries. Y'all do outreach for Strong Tower. No, we have a responsibility as well. So I've had people come to me saying, Pastor, let's do a food pantry. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do a clothes closet. Pastor, yeah, let's do that. Let's do meals on wheels, pastor. How about a community garden where we grow things for the community and bless folks and even some of our people in our own church? Let's fix up the playground out there so that kids in the neighborhood 
can want to play in the playground. Let's put a basketball hoop out there because, man, that's how things got started with me and you, Roly. We simply, you guys hung a basketball hoop right there on the parking lot of Christ Community Church, and we had instant outreach ministry. Now, I remember this one time, Rose, me and you out there, we doing what we do. You know, we getting a little older, you know, so we, we foul people. That, that's what we do when we were getting older. And I remember on one of the breaks, right, you, you would let the kids go into the church to drink water and all that. Uh, but some of the homies said, I don't want water today. And they went into one of the rooms where y'all stored the communion grape juice. And some of the brothers stole the communion grape juice. And me and you were so happy and proud that the church had the grape juice for communion stolen because we were doing outreach in the community. Man, we felt good about that, man. Simple things. And we still have relationships with so many of those young men to this day. My God. But then we also going to do room at the tower. You know, it gets cold out here. And, and how can we use this room that we have, this fellowship hall, to bring some people in off the street from time to time and let them sleep indoors and just love on them? It's not about trying to get them to pray a prayer. No, it's about them seeing the love of God so that they want to pray a prayer to know Jesus Christ. So therefore, we're going to need a transportation ministry. We need transportation to go pick people up. And right now, we don't have a bus. We don't have a van. But I have a strange feeling that God cares more about people than machines. People are more important to him than machines. And so if he knows we are reaching people, he's going to give us any and every machine and resource we need to get it done. I have a plan to call up some pastors and some folks who got buses and ain't using them. Sorry for the English, bad English, good theology. Ain't using them on Sunday. Let us use them. We'll go pick up some folks. Some of you know people right now that we can go pick up. And we got some folk in here that can drive the buses. Let's get some buses. Why not? And then Mother's Day out. We got all these classrooms. Don't let them sit empty during the day. We can serve these rich folk. I mean, these folk up and down this community. Maybe even give a couple of y'all some work in the, in the meantime. And let's do it. Let's do it. Let's teach kids the gospel. They may go home and tell their, kid, their parents about the gospel. That's how uh, John Perkins got saved. The father of uh, 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 community development got saved because his son Spencer went to a vacation Bible school. Spencer came home talking about Jesus, and John Perkins gave his life to Christ. You don't know who you might reach with this gospel of Jesus Christ. And then how about, man, some college campus ministry? We got colleges up around here, schools. Man, this harvest field is rich. It's ripe. Oh, God, would you show us? So, therefore, we've got to do some vision and strategy meetings. Lord, would you show us what we're supposed to do? We can't do everything, but we can do something. And as Lasagna said this morning, and whatever we're going to do, we're going to do it well. We're going to do it the right way. So, Saturday, after you go down here today, we're going to feed you with some checks, mix, and some snacks and all that stuff. You sign some lines. Get involved. We're going to have a vision and strategy meeting on Saturday, February 1st from 9 to 11. Then on Sunday, February 9th, we're going to get together again. Then on Saturday, March 15th, we're going to get together again. We're going to pray. We're going to massage our ideas. I'm going to give you homework. You know why I'm going to give you homework? Because it's not up to me or the leaders to create what needs to happen. You know what needs to happen. We are empowering you. You come back and tell us how we can get the clothes pantry, how we can get the food ministry, how we can get transportation. You've got the Holy Ghost. Most of y'all got brains. Come back and tell us how to do it. Oh, I'm excited. 
So in conclusion, if you are a follower of Jesus, he has appointed you to serve somewhere on the harvest field. But the question is, will you accept your appointment? Now here's the good news. You don't have to go alone. Jesus says, when you make disciples of all nations, I'll be with you. So for every appointment, there is the promise of his presence. And because he gave us the Holy Spirit, the anointing, that means that for every appointment, there is an anointment. He empowers us to do what he calls us to do. It's not up to us. We can't do it. But he would love to do it through us and with us. He's appointed you. Accept the appointment. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Lord, I love it. It's so simple. But sometimes we make it so hard. As the people go now down to the fellowship hall and see opportunities from our missionaries, Lord, may our missionaries be encouraged when they see people excited about serving people. Because sometimes being a missionary can be a lonely thing. And I pray, Lord, that you show this church what we can be about, what we can do to see your kingdom come. How there can be justice and mercy distributed towards the poor, the disenfranchised, the marginalized, the lost, the up and out, the down and out. Black, white, brown, red, yellow, everybody. Empower this church. Use us. We love you, Lord. We are excited and we say thank you for allowing us to be in the kingdom for such a time as this. In Jesus' name, amen.